Hello, guys, and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. I'm your host, Mark Kaler. Uh, this next episode is going to be Bart Eaton, Captain Bart Eaton, Episode 3. Continuing his story, um, this guy has got, from 1939 to present, still kicking and scrapping and doing it all. Uh, today, we're going to be giving away a T-shirt and a hat from Galley Stories. Uh, for every like and subscribe, you'll get one point, one entry. And for every comment left on iTunes, you will get five. So I encourage you all to like, share, subscribe. We're trying to grow our base a little bit more. Without further ado, though, here comes Bart. But but anyway, I want to ask you for another good story. Uh, <laughs> that's not a good story. No, but it's a story that probably oh, needs to be told. It's a story. <laughs> <coughs> what about the Mark Air crash? Well, that was quite a deal. <laughs> Jeff interacted with him at Airbnb. Well, we were up in Norton Sound. Season's over. And uh, as most fishing spots where you go fishing, everybody comes in over two or three weeks working on their boats a different time. But when it's over, everybody wants to leave on the same day. And of course, the infrastructure just doesn't handle it. The airlines doesn't have enough to everybody. Well, yeah, if you've been up in Alaska, you know everybody wants out. Boy, when the fishing's over, they want to go home. So everybody's wanting to go home. So uh, all, uh, a lot, uh, Mark Air sent out an empty plane. This is quite a story. An empty plane. And it's all verified. You can read it in the newspaper anywhere. So they sent out two planes. But apparently, Uniclete air control is in Nome. Okay? But some way they didn't tell Nome there was another plane coming. Okay? So when they sent the two, two planes in Anchorage, they said, we have an empty plane going out to haul in all these extra people. Does anybody want to switch over? Because we have a full, full plane. But we have one completely empty. Anybody want to switch over? No, nobody switched. Well, okay. So, we're out there, and the communications get such. Tim and I are flying, and we hear some confusion from the airport, and it was foggy. Why they were flying, I don't know. I don't even know why we were flying. But uh, it was really a foggy with no wind. So, we hear there's a plane, but it got confused because everybody up there has VHF sets. You know, everybody knows what's coming. 90% of the people coming into Uniclete, unless it's coming to fish, are from the town. You know, coming back or somebody. And so the word got out that there was a plane missing. Well, the plane with all the people made it in. But on the VHF it got out, there's a plane missing. Nobody heard that the plane that had all the people was in. And nobody even knew there was a second plane. Not, I'm not saying nobody, but 99% of the people didn't know there was a second plane. Well, boy, that set off a riot in town because everybody's got somebody coming in on this plane and it hadn't showed up. Well, it had showed up, but the second one hadn't. And so there was all going on. So they, they grounded all the flying in and out, out of there, and Tim got on the radio and convinced... Gnome uh, air controller to let us fly. 
you know, let, let us fly. Cause, and this is all Tim. Tim had this idea. He says, we took off the door, and Dick Johnson got, got, got in. We took off the door, and Tim flew down the run. And you guys were in a helicopter? or No. Yes, Tim, you were in a helicopter. No, he. Oh, you, no. You, you were. I was in no, a helicopter. No, use. But, yes. but not right then. Okay. So, Tim says, what I should do, because it was kind of a squirrely airport. It, it had a hill just before you had to land. So Tim took the door off, flew down sideways so he could see. It was foggy. You couldn't see. And if with the fog, it'd make water on the windshield. He's going sideways. He flew down because that's what the flight pattern was. You know, he was supposed to come in online to come in. And, of course, Tim had a map that showed when you land, you come in, you do this way. And he's going sideways there. He gets down there. And a little sun opened up, and there's a tail of this plane in the side of the mountain. God damn. So he, 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 he come back. Dick got out. I got, got in. They wouldn't let any more helicopters go down, so we come down, and there's three people standing. Of course, we had the Loran on it. Because the rules on a helicopter don't get above line of sight because once you get above you got to come back down through the fog you can get all screwed up but t t timmy got that straightened out he got out there and he opened the door and you, and, and you could smell diesel fuel everywhere because that's what those jets burn didn't want to take it down close because afraid we'd set the whole thing on fire because you got the turbine going so ran down there and there's a skipper a guy standing there and a gal laying in the dirt and another guy. There were two, two, two gals, two gals and the skipper, the pilot, the, the pilot. <laughs> the uh, other guy was a pilot engineer, but he was a pilot, and he was the one landing the plane. You get down there, he's laying in the blueberries over there. Oh, you, I, I got some pictures of this. You, you ought to see. You see one of those planes roaring on the on the deck and all there, and they sound good and tough. This is like a seven thirty seven, right? Yeah. Yeah. Short version. And it hit the mountain, but the guy did right after he did everything wrong. He he tried to take off again, so he he hits this hill, but on an upward slant. Took the engines off, dug big holes. I mean, you wouldn't believe how many wires come out of the bow. Of that. So there was five people there. Four. I thought it was empty. Except for the no, pilot. The pi no, that's pilot all it was. And a navigator and two stewardesses. Oh, got ya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. And it broke right in half, right in front of the wings. I mean, if, oh, Jesus. It's, but anyway, so we, we had the, I had Vic, I think he was on the Neptune. You can talk to Vic about this. He was offshore, and we had him send the Prince William Sound in, right close to, to the beach on, on a Loran line so they could take this wounded gal down to the Prince William Sound and take him into town. And we told the toll. Well, see, from where the plane wreck is, I couldn't talk to Unicleet. I could talk to Besborough Island and Nome. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm trying to tell people what to do, and I got no authority to tell them anything. He said, my advice is keep that other plane on the ground until the helicopter gets in with this crew. Because, and that was good advice anyway, because after it happened, FAA shut the whole airport down until they could send in a special plane to check all the 
you know, all the electronic stuff. But this gal had to get to the hospital. She had to. I mean, and the engineer's laying down there. He was a guy laying on the plane, and his eyes popped open. I knew his dad, Don Fell. Anyway, first thing he did, opened his eyes. He says, you think I'm going to get fired? <laughs> I'm thinking, boy, we got more in our hands. <laughs> you worry about that. You always hear all this stuff on TV about the magic hour. Well, she was on the magic hour, you know, no doubt. Tim got, got her in, and then they lifted that embargo on planes flying and got everybody out. Everybody was okay. Of course, we kind of lost track of them. You know, they just got it, and they, they got gone. But the only thing about it is we did get hired to go out there later because it was full of meat and whiskey and booze in those little bottles. I filled a couple of duffel bags. That was kind of our commission. <laughs> but we, we, we got hired to go out there and take the meat off and dump it in the ocean so it didn't attract the bears because they wanted to come out right away. And I guess the most invaluable part of that plane, I'm kind of making this up, is the cargo hatch. They aren't cheap. First thing they asked me on the phone, how's the cargo hatch? It looks good to me. So it, 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 it all, but with everybody around there with snowmobiles and stuff, you know, the only way you could travel out there. But anyway, I don't know, it was six, seven weeks later. No, it was quicker than that. We had Bristol Bay going. And we get calls as Chuck says, Bart, Tim, come on in town. We're going to have a lunch. I said, well, okay. So we get in there. It was the president of Mark Air was out there with a couple of the office people and this gal, this stewardess. Well, we, we, we didn't know until we, you know, we just parked the helicopter and ran down to the executive's lunch, lunch room, and I didn't know. Kind of recognized the gal. And... And so they talked, and well, we figured it out really quick. And Mark Air gave both Tim and I, and I don't know who else got one, a pass to fly on Mark Air anywhere it went. Give us that. Give us that thing. Anytime? Anytime, anywhere. Of course, Mark Air's. They went bankrupt, so. But, but boy, you must have been flying they're, they're, they're now Alaska no, Airlines. But I'll tell you, <laughs> I, I tell you Tim, Tim got a better story than I do. But the best part of all that is, after. The best part was that she lived. Of course. Yeah, that's the very best part. I didn't give about give a shit about Mark Harris' door, but in any case, she come up. Of course, she's emotional. Oh, thanks for saving me and all that other shit. You know, I mean, it was a nice gesture, especially that thing. And Tim was good using free air pass. But every time I I use it, I fly to Alaska on a Trident PO, you know, but I was going somewhere. But if I wanted to go from Anchorage to Unicleid, or I could fly with this pass. But everybody at every station, when you give them this pass, it was just like a, a card, a mileage card, but it had a number on it. Of course, they typed the number in and they knew what the number meant. And here come the steward. You should see how many stewardesses are giving me hugs. And oh, you're the <laughs> way for about a year there, we were pretty much, of course, we played it up as much as we could. <laughs> oh, you saved our, you know, all that stuff. I'll take another cocktail. <laughs> yeah. No, it was great at the time. But then they thought they were going to win one with uh, Alaska Airlines. It didn't work out too good. But anyway, that that, 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 was, a, that get, was quite a thing. It could have gone 
getting you here for such a limited amount of time, I've got to keep poking for the good stories. So I, I need to get the story about the chickens. Well, that's a trident story. Let's hear it. Okay, well, we were, at one time, we were looking at, oh, to buy uh, Tyson out of the, we have to have all those boats now, but to, 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 to buy Tyson's share of uh, Sea Alaska out, outfit. What was the name of that? All Francis Alaska? Miller's. All, all Alaska. No. Francis Miller's company. Anyway, Tyson owned it then. So Chuck had been scheming on that for a long time. And I didn't really give a damn one way. It just more work. <laughs> and so we were going to go back. Uh, the head comptroller, Chuck and myself, fly back to see uh, Tyson. Don Tyson. The billionaire Don Tyson. That's the only billionaire I think I've ever met. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't gonna give you that kind of credit. But in any any case, we, 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 we go back there, and of course, this was everybody goes to the airport in a different car and different planes, and you know, because when something like that's going on, you're supposed to keep it tight. You know, employees find out and all that stuff. So we, we go back there and come back Nothing ever happened on that, but all the times, like Chuck would say, Tyson was looking under our skirts. We were peeking under their skirts too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, we were doing our due diligence while they're doing their due diligence. You know that due diligence stuff goes both ways. Yep. So anyway, we get back. Chuck's in the office the next day. Nobody's supposed to know this. There's some chickens under his office window going, you know Tyson's the king of chicken Chuck got all upset about that he wanted to know who did, did it he says go kill those goddamn birds well we tell him, we're in downtown Seattle they got a humane society you can't just go kill a bird <laughs> yeah. so so do you know who put them there well my suspicions for Paul Paget or both of them with Jimmy McManus, but uh, either one could have been the one. But anyway, that had his blood going. He was the, see this is supposed to be a big, quiet deal. No, no, wait, 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 wait. Shit, damn, I'm not quiet. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's that story. You got another favorite one, Jeff? Oh, let's see uh, here. Let me. Let no, 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 no. Let me look at the sheet real quick here. Let me look at the sheet it. here. Um, well, yeah. There's definitely some that uh, did and did not make this list, but um, <laughs> one that uh, again, I, I hope that you can tell it, and you can tell it maybe in a PG version. But um, we're, about, we're an explicit channel. Okay. About when you guys went to meet with uh, Mitsubishi. Yeah, I think I can. Back in the old days. No, is it you guys? Who's the you guys? Well, you and Chuck and... Well, I had nothing to do with this, but Chuck, <laughs> every time Chuck goes somewhere, if there's going to be six people on one side of the table, he wants six on his side. Even if you don't know what you're doing, but you're supposed to keep your mouth shut. You show up. Yeah, you show up and keep you your mouth that, shut. You're supposed to keep your mouth shut. Yeah, keep your mouth shut. There you go, buddy. I told you that. Now, here's the story. Yeah. So, like I said, you dig your grave with your mouth. So, 
we had a deal on Sam and Chuck's the best one. This is the tragedy in my life. He can't tell his own stories. But I was. That's why you're here to tell I was peripherally in it. Mitsubishi. We were going to have a salmon deal, deal, on a price, and the theory was they had signed a deal. And just a long story short, well, it didn't get closed that night because everybody went out drinking, and forgot to. Well, the next day, Mitsubishi had so much pressure put on them by the other Japanese buyers that now this is a novel. Now I'm not telling. You know, this is a novel. Uh, so they backed out of it, but they backed out of it, and we had an unsigned contract. Oh God! So the orders went down through Trident. Don't ever, ever sell anything to Mitsubishi. Well, that sounds good, but Mitsubishi builds all the airplanes and engines on Boeing, and you know they're all over the place. And then Mitsubishi wound up buying a salmon, a salmon process. If I'm telling it all right. Princess in Europe, our biggest canned salmon buyer. And Chuck had put out this edict we're not selling anything to Mitsubishi. <laughs> so it got going, and Billy Grace was selling a lot of fish, and it was going to Mitsubishi, but everybody would try and hide those invoices away from Chuck. <laughs> but then Chuck happened to see one time, but it was a damn good price. You know, one thing you'll find about the fish business is what I have labeled. Situation ethics, no problem. Any kind of anything. What's the situation warrant? Well, that's what you do without guilt because the situation warrants it. But anyway, so everybody's begging Chuck to go have a reapproachment or approachment or whatever they call it with Mitchie So our salesman, everybody puts together a meal up at. Uh, the Seattle, one of those Seattle clubs. Yeah. It's not the athletic club. or It's one of those clubs. Washington Athletic Club. No. No? I don't think so. But it's one of the snooty ones. Snooty. Snooty. Snooty club. So Chuck was all upset because we got invited to meet the Japanese in this club, and Chuck wasn't a member because he wasn't one of the elite in town. Shit, they wouldn't have let any of us in there if we didn't. Sponsored by, by uh, Mitsubishi. And he, how come these guys got So, so we go in there and we start talking. And this was the head of Mitsubishi America. You know, he's the guy that meets with Boeing, and he'd been to MIT. I mean, this guy. He was the shit. He was the top. Nice guy. Yeah, well, we were all nice guys that night. So <laughs> the first thing you start, first thing you do is start compiling. You know, we had our say. We had Michiguchi there, and I think we had uh, all of our our guys, and they had three or four guys. We we're all very polite, talking, 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 compying, and the Mitsubishi guy brings it up, and even I didn't know where this was going. He started talking about the Second World War. <clears throat> And I'm thinking, well, damn, I know how the story ends. <laughs> you know, I didn't. But I'm not saying anything. Trying to be polite. Trying to just be... listen. Okay. And he started talking about the Mitsubishi plane, the Zero. It was an F-Zero. 
That was he was bragging about that, and it was true. It kicked our ass until one of the zeros, if you know the story, crashed on Akatan Island, and the Navy took it, put it on a barge, took it to San Diego, and rebuilt it. And they flew it down there, and they built the P-38, so it could turn faster, go higher, whatever it took. They had a a control. I mean, it's a hell of a story. And I read the book book about it. It's called the Akatan Zero. So anyway, he's talking and talking about this Second World War, and I don't know. I was Chuck was paying for the drinks, or they were. I didn't care. So he says, Mister Bunder. He says, you know, I know what zero, F-zero meant. It meant fighter zero. But I never did find out what the P in P-38 stood for. Well, I'm waiting for Chuck to say something. He says, hell, I don't know. I said, Bart, do you know? And I said, well, it probably stood for pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, of course, Chuck threw his hands up in the air, hit the table, the drinks all flew off. All of our Japanese and their Japanese, you know, <laughs> I screwed up. I could see those words going through the air, and I wanted pull them back. Pull them back. <laughs> That's <laughs> pissed off. What do you think pissed for? I don't know where that came from. But anyway, that's one of our favorite in-house stories. So how did it end, though? How did the meeting end? Oh, I think we were all drunk. <laughs> it, 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 it went fine. After we... Oh, the best part was... this guy, I was pretty impressed with this guy. I'd been to MIT. i never been... I couldn't even mow their lawn. <laughs> and he, he's sitting there and is like a German shepherd with his chin on his arms. Arms crossed yeah. and his chin on his Just arms. Just yeah. looking straight at the guy. He says, you know... That's what I like about you Americans. You say what's on your mind. <laughs> and I said, oh yeah, the dumb ones do. <laughs> so you mentioned, a, you mentioned a time or two that uh, Chuck's no longer giving interviews and talking to people anymore. But oh, yeah. do, you, do you have one of those moments oh. where you were most proud to, to, to be with Chuck or, or saw him at his finest that you'd share? Yeah. Probably the proudest I was with him was we're in the in Japan. Oh, well, when he asked Stevens to bomb the Azores, that that was pretty impressive. That was a good one. Yeah, because we had some. I just come to work for him, and he had some salt cod. We sold a couple boatloads to Portugal, and they got halfway over there, and they stopped the engines, and then they wanted a top price. Yeah. So he said, come on, we're going back to see Stevens. So we go back to see Stevens. And Stevens says, well, what do you want me to do, Chuck? You know, the Azores, we got military base, and we got all that other we do. Chuck says, well, bomb the goddamn Azores. <laughs> Just what he said. <laughs> Stevens rolled back in his chair. I can't do that. <laughs> that was, I was proud of him then. I was impressed. That impressed me. <laughs> for some salt cut. <laughs> but anyway, oh, there's we. We've had some. I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. Might as well shut it off. No, we can, we we can pause or. No, we it, it's getting late. 
I'm an old guy. You you got two. I've done my share. And if, <laughs> if if I live, I'll come back. I'll be back in the middle of the summer. But we'll hold, we'll hold you to that. Oh well, I hope you know. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping you'll do some. Okay, editing. here's here's one. What that I'd like to have you share. I'd uh, let my. About, oh, go ahead. I'd let my son edit it for me. Well, I, I can, I can See, edit. I mean, I, I could literally go until midnight with just half the stories I've heard. So. What he's key, keeping, because we started a deal some years ago where, you know, usually when a, a person dies, their oldest son is the one that does, what do they call it, obituary. The eulogy. The eulogy. So I said, well, that's okay. what we're going to do is we're going to start what I call the come clean list. Stuff I've done that I haven't told my wife. But he's going to tell it. I got a few of them. Oh, oh he, for sure. He's got a few, so. You got to stand by for my come clean list. That's going to take 15 or 20 years. No, well, I hope. You ain't going down easy. <laughs> no, but anyway. But how about the one, ConAgra? Oh. Me- meeting with ConAgra. Yeah. You know which one? Yeah. Okay. Let's have, let's have that one. Let's hear uh, it. Okay. Well, Chuck always was impressed with this because when I started working for him, I lived in Issaquah and I just do not like driving in a circle in one 24-hour period. So I'd come in, go to work. Back in those days, I'd sleep on Chuck's couch in his office and dry my feet off every morning because I have to have clean socks every morning. And in the sink, there was no shower over there. Or I'd go down to a boat. Sometimes I'd sleep on the Neptune. Then I'd go home on Friday a little early, you know, instead of doing other well, it's still the same way today. All the guys take off Friday about 11. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not the new. <laughs> I was over here on Monday. I, I can always tell. I go up and see the girls. There's a lot of parking around here. <laughs> what the hell's <laughs> going on? Of course, they had all these seafood shows going and sunny. But anyway, well, what was that story you were wanting me to tell? Well, about that you stayed at Trident, that you had a bunk at Trident. Yeah. Well, I had a little nice closet. I don't know who has that office now, but. Joe Plesha. I put some wallpaper on it of a tropical scene. Was it? Is it a door you go into a little... Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Joe Plush's office. Well, I had a bench over there with my little 12-inch and uh, TV, and I I put a bunk in there made out of pallets. Yep. And put a nice... It was nice. And plus, right around the corner, I got a shower. Shit, I was in tall cotton. I had a lot of funny things happen in there, but not, not in the room. But, <laughs> but I'm in there. Of course, Chuck was always... Press with that, goddamn Bart. He says, "Cause I know what he what he really wanted me to do was die at the desk, cause that would make a good story." <laughs> and I was swearing, "I'm not gonna die at that goddamn desk, cause I know what you're gonna tell everybody." He dedicated his life, you know, cause he'd always say that, but he never explained to people the reason I stayed there, cause I don't like driving back across the bridge or doing this. I just didn't stay there, and I'm. Sleeping six feet from my desk, I'm back to work. Just like sleeping on the wheelhouse of the boat. You know, boom, right boom, there. boom, boom. Yeah. And so, well, he'd, he'd tell that story to these ConAgra people, too. It was kind of a Bart story, ha-ha story, you know. The so, myth of Bart. Yeah. Part, part, well, you got to make your own myth. Nobody else will. So... So anyway, we're back at ConAgra and we're going through our management meetings. They're always wanting to know, well, what's your, what's your plans? What's your plans? 
they were asking everybody, well, what's your, your plans? Because they were very high on successor management. First thing they'd ask Chuck, and he'll tell you the same thing, is who's your successor? They admitted they didn't know anything about fish, but they wanted somebody that did if he got run over or fell out or something. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Warren Buffett's the same damn way. I read a story about him and wanting to know who the successor is. So he's asking Chuck, and he's getting some mumbling. I was always humorous. He asked Steve, and he asked me. I'm thinking, not that he really give a shit, you know, but he was a great guy. He treated me, all those ConAgra people, and I said, well. And we, ConAgra had a brand new CFO. Starch shirt, striped, cufflinks, suspenders, right out of Hollywood, CFO. He'd only been there about two weeks. And I said, well, Mr. I think, I think I'd just like to get out of the damn closet. Being kind of a trident joke. That was you? Yeah. <laughs> kind of a trident joke. Yeah. In, in, in-house. in Looking to get out of the closet. Mr. Fletcher laughed his ass off because he knew the story. Chuck's laughing. But this new CFO, his face just went blank. He thought I was having a coming out party or some guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hadn't thought of that. You know, it... it it's you like were, you were still thinking about sleeping in the closet. Yeah, well, yeah and this I guy's thinking I, my dad's coming out of the closet. But it was just like that P thirty eight story. When I get to the punchline, it dawns on me. Oh, maybe this is a little much. You know, maybe I gotta rethink this. But I said that, and I can see. And I've always been kind of a guy. Once I, once I push the hot button, well, hell, go for it. You know what the hell? So push the throttle forward. So. Mr. Fletcher's trying to explain and everything, and this guy was just sitting there just kind of shaking. I got a good insight to what minorities feel like. that. But, and of course, after it's all over, we've been sitting there talking 12 hours, and everybody walks around the table shaking hands, and I walk around the table and go shake his hand, and he walked around that way. i go that way, he'd go that way. He never would shake my goddamn hand. <laughs> That's a... T- ask Steve, or... You- if you can ask Jack, he'll 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 laugh about that getting out of the closet. Let me ask you a question. If, if you if this was if this was it, and you could say something to Chuck, what would it be? Oh, geez. Well, I've said about everything. I'm sure you have. Eh, I got to think on that. If it's the last thing I can say. Well, <laughs> yeah, because you might be honoring. You might you might just be honoring. Well. Even now, I was my grandpa always told me never throw a rock at somebody can throw a boulder back, boy. So I got to come. That's probably pretty good solid advice. Oh, it saved me. I've had a few rocks go over my head. Jeff, how about you? You, you <laughs> this legacy is going to be very uh, long. Uh. Well, you know, really. Um, being on the sales side of things, you know, gr- growing up, my father as a, as a fisherman, uh, traveling. Um, after high school and college, where I, I did some fishing, I, I was fortunate enough to, to start at Trident uh, in sales. And, um, you know, obviously one of the greatest stories you can sell, or you can tell and sell uh, in seafood or really in any food business is, is the story of Trident, you know, starting 1973 having a dream, you know, guys, Chuck and his whole team, 
you know, working and building it to something where really no one really saw it until they got there. And even when you got there, sometimes you look back and you didn't know how you got there. So, you know, I've been asked, you know, are, mm, are Tridents, you know, greatest years, uh, the last 45 or the last 50 years, you know, I, I, I know that Chuck and I, I know that Joe would say that, you know what, you look forward and we've, we've had a great, we've had a great history. The history is incredible, but it, it really is up to, to everyone at Trident, to everyone in the industry uh, to really follow and to see that truly for this industry, for this company, the next 50 years is, is going to be the, the greatest years. So, um, you know, all, all these stories and I've, uh, you know, I've, again, I've said earlier, I was, I've been so fortunate that I've been able to, to sit around a table and, uh, you know, hear the stories from my dad and, you know, back, back, back in the day when, when there was an Ivers here in Ballard and to be able to sit at the Ivers in, in Ballard and, you know, to have Chuck show up or to have Steve Okerlund drop by or something like that. And just to, to hear these stories about, um, you know, all these, all these people and the, the stories. And, and again, I mean, we've, you've filled up two, two hours or at least two, two uh, episodes of this podcast but my God, there are so many more stories. I mean, there really are. And um, well, everybody's everybody's. Well, sure. I mean, and again, uh, you know, that's something I've learned from you is that if everyone has a story, but the question is, you know, it's it's as you said, it's it's up to you to build your own myth. It's up to you to <laughs> to tell your own story because really, no one else gives a shit. So, um, but I mean, again, I mean, there's so many more stories. I mean, I I just look here on my list. Uh, uh, you know, the Brist, you know, yeah. the Bristol Bay lawsuit, and yeah, oh you know, all, my God. all the all the stories around that and um you know um again there's so much more with the early days you know in kodiak and the fishing and really i i, I think you've downplayed a little bit on on your role or you know the early days with with uh, the magson stevens act and and really the impact that you had with really shaping where this where this industry is today and the you know the again trident going through the the Americanization and the inshore, offshore, and all those. I, I, I think it's not only Trident, though. I mean, of for, course. for me on this podcast, it's all about the fleet. And oh, yeah. you guys have heard me say fleet, fleet, fleet. Uh, when I say fleet, I mean all of us. Sure. And I oh, mean. Yeah. Well, that, that, that that's hard to, because, you know, I went through that real, because I was a fisherman. Fisherman, I was in every organization doing all that, and I started being, and then I'm on both sides, you know. Because uh, Chuck always used to say, when are you going to turn your goddamn hat around? You know, instead of being a processor hat, you're a fisherman hat. Well, you have to be a little sensitive uh-huh. to that kind of stuff. You know, but that's that's like the time I was up at Craig, sport fishing. I'm wearing, <laughs> and they had a Burger King up there. Is this still still on? They had a, a Burger King, and I'd go in there every morning for my coffee and my donut or whatever the hell they had. And there's, and they had a, a silver salmon strike going on. But that was the trollers. But Trident was Trident, and we, we didn't have anything to do with that. But I'm in there getting my coffee, and I'm wearing my Trident hat. And I see about 15 guys sitting over around a table talking and waving their arms. Well, I knew what was going on without hearing anything, you know, the strike's going in town, small town. And I get my coffee, and I, I go to walk walk out. And this one guy who I knew, big burly guy, troller. You know, these troller guys, some they... they they run the whole boat by themselves. You know, these guys are something else. And the guy hollered, hey. And he said, where'd you get that trident hat? 
kind of antagonistic about it. And I pulled it off and I looked at it and I threw it on the ground. I said, that's the only thing I got for free from these cheap sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on over here! <laughs> they wanted me to join <laughs> So, you got to be able to think on your feet when you're on both sides. Of Didn't the you pay someone to take a trident gear off yeah. one time? Yeah, well, I was up in, at a North Pacific Council meeting and there was a guy from Tuxuk or from somewhere up there. He's walking down the street having a hard time. Keeping and he had an old, old, it probably I could sell it now, an old Trident coat, coat on. And it's about minus 40. And I said, hey, buddy, what do you take for that coat? What? Yeah, you want my coat? How much? He said, $5. Okay. So I gave him $5 and he took off this coat and I walked around the alley and threw it in the garbage can. I didn't want that Trident coat. You didn't, you didn't want a, you didn't want a guy stumbling yeah. on the streets of Anchorage representing yeah, Trident. wearing a Trident coat. But anyway, that's oh. I I think I think I want to say this before, and I haven't said this before on any of this, but when, when, again, I want to keep saying fleet. Uh, two, it might be two years ago, and I'm probably disrespecting him by saying it now. But two or three years ago, uh, we lost a guy, uh, Eric Etter, off the Seeker, mm-hmm. and uh, it did not work for for Trident. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fishing community got together real hardcore to donate for that. Mm-hmm. And Trident actually put out an email saying for every dollar you give, mm-hmm. we'll give two. Well, that was that was Chuck and Diane. Right, yeah. that's, that's the kind of, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but I'm not just saying that's the kind of people they are, but they yeah. are, Yeah. but that's the kind of community yeah. that the fishing industry is. You, you give, you take care oh, of each other, yeah. you, you answer the call, you answer the mayday, you steam towards the, the problem, right? Would, would you agree to that? I shouldn't say this because you can edit this part out. Who's that mad dog that works for us? For works for the government now? Mad dog. I know you're talking about yeah. the the McManus Mc the Marine. Yeah. Mad dog. Well, yeah. anyway. Yeah. He's an ex Marine. Yeah. He's the only one still working for him. Yeah. I heard an interview with him one time and something about what well, what's your philosophy of life and he says well. <laughs> he says, when you meet somebody, smile. I See, I'm just paraphrasing. Cause it, and, and smile, but think about how you can kill them. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah, that, that, that's kind of, be, be friendly, smile, but always be thinking about how you're going to kill that bastard. Kind of. I hope I'm not disrespecting the way he said it, but I think that's what he meant mm-hmm. when, when I heard it. But, you know, like, with these tapes, you know, you've seen some of those tapes that I had put together with yeah. Chuck. And my Lots goal, gold. Yeah. my goal then was to get them because if you don't get them before they die, you ain't gonna get them. It's all over. That's what and, we're doing. And maybe somebody in fifty years can use that, you know. So there's, I don't know if you've you've seen it, but I've read about this play about Alexander Hamilton. I've thought I know every word. I love what, that guy. What would you like to know? Well, I Every word. But I read some part about it where I think he's talking. No, his wife is talking to George Washington about something. And I think it was George. Of course, this was all imagination. But for some way, he said something like, it's all about who lives, who dies, and who, who tells, tells the story. story. That's no. it. I heard that. Who's going to tell their story? Right. That yep. is the... Yep. 
who lives, who dies, and who tells the story. That's it. But well, in, that's in what a, we're trying to do. Galley stories. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly what, what galley stories is. I understand. That's yeah. why, I, I, like, there, there, there's some guys that told stories in here. I don't have a clue who they are, but I understand everything they're saying. Oh, i done that, or I've been there, or it's close. Or, What's your thought process on this whole podcast thing? Oh, I don't have one. I'm glad, I'm glad you're doing it. I mean, I'm glad you're doing it. Or somebody's doing it, because I think there's, oh, there's a lot of, boy, we've had some stuff. Well, it's, it's kind of like, it hadn't been boring. But another thing about Trident that gets me about every year around Christmas, when we have the Christmas party and you see people you haven't seen all year. Of course, it's me, it's all, the, I have to kind of go in the office and, as long as they don't chase me out for disturbing the peace. Yeah, they thought some homeless guy had walked yeah. in a couple days ago. Yeah. Well, anyway, I won't tell the whole story. But anyway, I, I, I know a lot of people still. A lot of people don't. More people don't know who I am than do know who I am. So, I call bullshit. Well, no, that, that's true. But anyway, you just, it, it's dawned on me a couple times how many things are a crisis at the time. Not only in life and all that other stuff, but at Trident. Something, a crisis. God damn, you're just getting all wrapped up. And a year later, it's the funniest thing you ever heard. Mm -hmm. But it's going on at that time, it's the crisis. But then it turns into one of the funniest things you ever heard. As long as nobody got killed. Before we shut down, <laughs> I want to know your biggest crisis. Your biggest, the, the time you were scared the most. Because you've lived oh, this life. Well, don't, don't talk about that. A long that. time. Like I said. I, I would like to know it. Probably affected my whole life. Uh, when I got, I think, like I was telling Jeff the other day, I think I was born with a bilge alarm. Because... If you ever been on a boat and the bilge alarm goes off, man, your heart... This one's went off. Yeah, no. Well, I was born kind of with the bilge alarm because I know it's set. And I reflected on it, and I wondered why. Because that's like I think when my... <laughs> when I was born, like I said, 1939, and I never saw my dad till I was six because he went over into the war. And when I'm a young kid... He, and I still think about this when I see a young kid and his dad's gone. So, if you don't know reality or the facts, even if you're a kid, you'll make up your own. You know, and it'll always be worse than what it really is. And that's even for adults. You know, if you don't know what's going on, right? I mean, haven't you ever just made a disaster? Oh, yeah. Situation. Every night when I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think about going to work the next day. Check, check the goddamn bills. <laughs> But in any case, I used to, at my age, and I think it's in thousands of kids and all that, living in California, you're always told if you see a balloon coming over, it's out in the field, run the other way because it'll be a bomb that the Japanese have sent over. You know, well, kids believe all that bullshit. Well, it wasn't all bullshit, but, and, and your dad's gone all, you know, and uh, you didn't hear things in the Second World War as quick as you hear it now, you know, now the guys are talking from their foxhole. Texting. And yeah. But we had to go down to the post office every week, and there'd be something from Stars and Stripes. That was, uh, and they'd post it. So another, so that's something, so Playboy, that, Wild yeah, Alaska, yeah. and Stars and Stripes. But, but when you talk about being scared, you know, I have to, I think that was the scariest I ever was 
for about five years, or four years, I, when I was conscious about it. And my dad came home. Of course, the war's over, and I get up the next morning and wonder where the hell dad. You know, I didn't know it was going to be, you know. But anyway, it was a big deal, uh, you know, when you're every day, every day. And every kid right now, dad's over and uh, whatever it is, he's going through that. You you got to tell them the facts. They'll make up their own. I made up some dandies. but So you're losing your dad every day in your mind, every day. Could have. Yeah. You know, and you don't really know. That was your scariest time was when you were that, on land. and I think it was, but yeah. I think that's what set the bilge pump thing. Right? Pretty gentle. Always yeah. on alert. There's always a low-pressure area somewhere, I tell the crew. There's always a low-pressure out there going to get your ass. But in any case, the reason I really believe this, because he, he come home, I'm about six, and when I was a kid, we never had a 4th of July. You, you had 4th of July, but you couldn't have fireworks. You know, you had shades on your windows and your cars. You couldn't turn the lights on at light, night or all that stuff because mm -hmm. the Japanese are right over there, you know, and everybody's everybody's waiting. And they take me down to the Sacramento River with a watermelon and the shit like we all do now. But they didn't tell me. And they set off the fireworks about dark. I thought, well... That's what they were talking about. I took off down the river. In fact, they still talk about it in town. It took it took a posse to come out and find my ass. I was buried under the under the blackberry bushes. <laughs> bye, bye. You were bye. sure they were coming. Did you, you sure? Oh well. Jeff, have you ever heard this story? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I believe yeah. I have heard the yeah. story about. Yeah. No. Well, but you, yeah. you 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 asked me what what's the scariest. So, but. I've heard you ask other guys that, and I always say, being scared is kind of on a real stat. Real stat. They're scared. There's number two scared, number three scared, number four scared, number five scared. They're all scared, but it's how, and and how one will jump on the other. Oh, I've been scared, but I think the scared that had the biggest impact on me that was exactly. scared. That was scared. Man, I took off running. I believe that, and I still get a little shaky, like I. Jeff here loves fireworks. He'd never see me hang around. I'll go to nope. the other. I'll go to the other side of the house. Yeah, they go ahead and do it. I don't care. You know, I understand. But yeah, you so, just can't move away. But yeah. somewhere back in my primal brain, that snake brain that we were all started with, from what I've read, <laughs> it, I got to get in my hole. <laughs> well, this, anyway, this is gonna be the close of episode three. Obviously, I might have to come up to. To the cabin and, oh, and do four, five, and six. You definitely need to get up to the cabin. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to have Jimmy. Have, have you talked to Jim? You know, uh, Jimmy's talked about coming on. He wanted to wait for you. Get he David said, Wilson. He said you'd come on first so that he could come on after I know. you. And argue all Rebuttal. the points that you... Point, counterpoint. Point out. So then we'll do Jimmy next, and then we'll we'll fly up there to the cabin and you, do the... you got to get David Wilson. David will be... He's saying point. He knows everything. Oh, he's got great stories. Oh, he's, oh my he's, God. Oh, God. But he's he, he's got stories you've never heard. I'm just trying to capture them all. What? But we're going to close this one down. Bart, I can't thank you enough for coming. Oh, that's all right. I don't know. Jeff, yeah. thanks for coming yeah. and helping here. Um, you guys, this has been uh, another installment of Galley Stories. I hope that you've enjoyed this one. I know that I have. And uh, we will see you on the... Oh, before we go... 
successful night at the ALS event. Very su yeah. successful night. Um, not a lot of online donations though. Jeff, you were there at the event. It was pr it was pretty awesome and epic. It was it was very very impressive to see the amount of the amount of people that that came out. Um, the the fun fundraising with the uh, the silent auctions or I guess with the uh, the uh, the raffles. But yeah, I mean, very very impressive with with the turnout and uh, and the so, amount of people. So nobody's going online to donate though. I mean, they're not hitting that button. And I understand in today's age, it takes a little more time to click and add info and but but somehow so just to, i'm just going to encourage everybody als is a bad disease and let's continue to fight it uh do that search for pat dwyer uh als and let's donate and then uh i guess uh we'll uh we'll end there and and we'll see you guys next time say bye bart who lives who dies who lives to tell the story thank you <laughs> oh.